Good morning, my name is Liz and I'm one of the pastors here and I'm so delighted that you're worshipping with us either in person here or on Zoom. The weather's taken a little turn for the coal, a cooler, so uh, autumn seems to be here. Uh, and I'm just hoping that the breeze, which has picked up slightly, is not the usual DC harbinger of rain, which it is occasionally, but I'm trusting that the sky is still dry, so we will aim to get to the end in one piece. Kids, last week I asked you to think about if there were any pieces of the Bible which you really didn't like. And I was delighted that um, at least one of you came up to me after the service to tell me which bits she didn't like, and we, uh, I heard a bit about why. Today I'm going to ask you to think about bits that you do like. And in particular, we're going to be talking about prayer in a minute. And that story I just read of those friends lowering the man through the roof, perhaps that could be thought of in some way as prayer. So you might want to draw a picture of that if you're not on the quilt. Um, and give some thought to what is it like to support our friends and bring them to Jesus. We're finishing out James this week, and it's been a really practical book. Last week, we talked about patient endurance, learning how to watch our context and surroundings, a bit like a farmer or a preacher watching the weather, pacing ourselves, learning to be persistent, and taking a longer view of life holding tight to what we sometimes fancily called an eschatological hope, the reminder that Jesus is going to come back one day. And so this week, as we come to the end of chapter 5, James is talking about prayer. And really the whole book of James, some people talk about it as, is it a letter or is it really like his collected bits of wisdom? And as I've been reading through it, I kind of thought, gosh, I wonder if it was like, hey, People, I'm just going to write down that my favorite pieces from all my sermons from the last three years and put them together in this kind of epistle format. And, and there's going to be kind of chunks of wisdom. These are the things I think are really smart and that I really want you to pay attention to. And it feels a bit like that because it's not a particularly well-structured book. And prayer has popped up periodically in all the chapters. But as he comes to the end, it's like, okay, Concentrate now, everybody. I'm coming up to my kind of grand conclusion, and I want to talk to you about prayer. But if it was a bit of a sermon, I sort of picture him uh, standing in front of his congregation in Jerusalem and saying, okay, um, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Hey, is anybody feeling a little under the weather today? Just put your hand up. I I'm going to encourage you to do that. If anyone's feeling a little under the weather, perhaps you're feeling a bit something, I don't know, something's not quite right. No, you're all good. Okay, Simon, Simon, great. Thank you, Simon. What about, um, good morning, are, are any of you feeling um, like tired? Put your hand up. Okay, everybody's hand just about. Yep, okay. Pray, he said. So what about if you're feeling in need of confession? Okay, you can put your hand up inside if you're not feeling this one, but if you're, needing if you're feeling in need of confession, put your hand up. Okay, a few brave souls. James would say, pray. What about if you're feeling grumpy? Okay, pray. What about if you're feeling uh, in need of healing? Pray. He does it for everything, apart from one thing. He says, are you feeling cheerful? Oh, okay, none of you feeling cheerful? Okay, a couple of you. Sing. Okay, this is only, otherwise, the, there's a kind of call and response. If you're feeling something, pray. If you're feeling something, pray. It goes all the way through. And my guess is, 
And having seen your hands, most of us kind of feel something all the time. And the fun thing about James is that he says, okay, what are you, what are you feeling? Have you prayed about it? And so just before I talk a little bit more about this, I just want to remind you, of course, that prayer is not just about bringing our needs and wants to God. I feel like I have to say this as a small disclaimer. There are lots of other ways of praying, whether it's in worship or thanksgiving or just adoration or without words. There are lots of things, but James isn't talking about those. So I'm not going to talk about those either. I'm just going to say this is part of learning how to pray. But even as James says, however you're feeling, stick your hand up and remember to pray, he then adds on verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Pause there. He doesn't say, go to your pastor and they'll pray for you. He doesn't say go to the prayer team at the back of the room and they'll pray for you. Those are good things to do. But he said turn to each other. Turn to the person next to you. Turn to your friend. Call the elders or whatever, but also confess your sins to one another. There's this wonderful call to a mutual responsibility. Not just a designated team, but your small group, your prayer group, your friends, the person who is randomly sitting next to you on a Sunday morning. We should all be confessing to each other and praying for one another. Each of us, as we have needs, putting out a kind of, help, I'm not doing that well. Will you please pray for me? Before the service, actually, the, the prayer team said, who's praying? I said, me, and I'm feeling really scattered, so can you pray? And they prayed, because that's what we do as a community. We come together to pray. I also love the fact that when we pray, we wait expectantly we wait expectantly for God to act and actually James's expectations of the efficacy of our prayer are remarkably high listen to what he says in verse 15 the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven so confess your sins to one another and pray for another so that you may be healed. Why? Because the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And that's what you are, the righteous. And so therefore your prayers are powerful and effective. Just like Elijah. Elijah was a human being like us and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. I'm, I'm hoping for another 30 minutes, but then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. God answered Elijah's bold prayers with bold answers. One man praying changed the way that that whole country responded to God. And so we're told we pray because our prayers, our prayers, not just Elijah's prayers, our prayers are powerful and effective. And God promises to respond to our prayers to do stuff, to heal and forgive and raise up because we pray for one another. It's one of the reasons why I chose that gospel reading for today. I slipped out of the lectionary because I love that image of the friends bringing their friend to Jesus, layering him down. And even Jesus, as he responds, says that he healed him because due to the faith of his friends. 
It's our corporate faith leading to healing. James even concludes the chapter by saying, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. What a responsibility. If someone wanders, there's a mutual responsibility to go after that person, to bring them back from wandering. And again, that's mutual. It's the whole community. It's us together. And James isn't saying that we can heal people or we can get, forgive them, but we know who can. We can bring them to Jesus. And we can pray when someone is suffering. We can pray when someone is guilty or feeling guilty. We can sing with people who are cheerful. And so we want to move together alongside each other, alongside the people in our community as they deal with the life and the things that are happening to them. A couple of weeks ago, though, we got chatting in our small group about who do we pray for? Do we just pray for the people we know? Do you just pray for the people you can see under the canopies this morning and maybe the ones who are away visiting relatives and friends? And who else can you pray for? And I'm reminded of a time uh, many years ago now when we were driving in England and we were going up the M1, which is a motorway, which therefore you would think would be a quick road, but it's always got roadworks, it's always got too much traffic, and it's always really, 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 really slow. And I remember sitting and staring out the window, and I hasten to say Simon, I assume, was driving, um, but looking at the people in the cars around me. And I think that was the first time when I began to think, oh, I could pray for them. I wonder if that anxious-looking woman who is stuck in the car next to me has ever had anyone pray for her. What about that family where the kids look like they're going a little wild in that car over there? Could I pray for them? Could I pray for that gentleman in that car over there or the couple who look like they're fighting? Could I be praying for people I know nothing about? And so that's become a bit of a hobby of mine when I'm stuck in traffic or when I'm somewhere where I'm queuing or something to begin to pray for the people around me. It's kind of intriguing to think that perhaps nobody might ever have prayed for them in the past. Could they be people who are just slightly lost in this world and are needing some guidance? I caught, we just want to pay attention to notice the things that are happening around us. I heard a lovely phrase this week, compassionate curiosity. Can we look at the people around us with compassionate curiosity and pay attention and pick up things that we might notice about them that might lead us down a way of praying. But to be honest, most of my prayers when I'm thinking about people when I'm stuck in traffic have been pretty bland. It's been like, oh, Lord bless them. Make they, may they be happy. I don't know. May they just you know, get to where they're going safely. But then we went on in small group to talk about what are the things you can pray for people who you've never met before. And we looked at some of the prayers of Jesus and the prayers of Paul and thought about the ways that we could be praying and came out with quite actually a lengthy list, 20 things. We could be praying for protection for them, of course for danger on the road, but protection in other ways. Pray for joy, for peace, for mercy. Pray that they experience revelation, perhaps through dreams and visions or through conversations that God will speak to them in the quiet of their hearts. You can, of course, always pray that people will discover that they are loved by God. 
Maybe that they will be flooded with a sudden knowledge or insight into God's personality or character. We can ask that they will know forgiveness and that they will offer forgiveness, ultimately from their good father. But perhaps within their families, you could pray that people could learn to forgive one another, to treat each other with kindness and respect. Pray for wisdom. Pray that people will find community. What about praying that they could be resistant to temptation? Or praying that they would be convicted of their sin, that they would suddenly have a deep down realization that some of their behaviors are wrong? And maybe they'd be curious as to why is it that we have a sense of right or wrong? Maybe there'd be ways that they might be drawn to their good father by discovering what it is that, by questioning what it is that they find uncomfortable in themselves. And then we thought about how when we know people a little bit better, we can begin to be a bit more detailed. So not just, oh, please bless that person I've never seen. If they've got something wrong with them, perhaps they could, you'll heal them. But we should be praying more explicitly and specifically for the people around us for healing. Especially if you know what's going on in someone's life. Be explicit and specific in, in your prayers. Bring their particular needs and interventions. That's why all our small groups always have a time of prayer for one another at the end. Pray that we would be protected from ourselves. Pray that our capacity for love will be increased. And then as you get to know people even better, perhaps you'll pray for them to have an increase of spiritual gifts. And then we also tagged on at the end, what about deliverance? Yes, we should be praying for deliverance. And perhaps you might want to get someone to pray with you if you decide to launch in that direction. And then, of course, praying for our society, our government, the people around us in authority, head teachers, all those who are making decisions about life at the moment. And we should all pray, God's kingdom come. Of course, it's good to pray specifically. But how good to just become increasingly prayerful people praying whatever our circumstances, praying all the time for others, but also asking for prayer. All of us asking all the time. I love the fact that actually I sat down and went through what our weekly activities are at Incarnation, and we gather on a Sunday morning to pray together. On a Monday, a prayer list goes out, and it's updated every week for where we pray for one another. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we join together at midday to pray together. Every second Friday, the men join together, and they're the ones who started us, really, on the prayer journey. They join together to pray in the power hour. We also have prayer walks. A number of us join together on Friday night just to quietly take time to lament the state of the world at the moment, to pray for Afghan refugees, to pray for the pandemic, to pray for our own sorrows. Our small groups pray. Prayer is absolutely central and critical to our life as a church. But just one more thing. Everything I've said sounds very onerous. It sounds like a duty. It sounds like a responsibility and an obligation. And I guess, yes, it is. It is our obligation to pray for one another. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, isn't it also a joy? Isn't it a wonder that our good father says, I will do things in response to the ways that you pray? That he involves us to that extent in the way that the kingdom is gonna grow and spread around the world? Isn't it extraordinary that we get to engage in the adventure of prayer? 
and that we get to listen to God's heartbeat. It's the way of getting closest to our Father, to take time to quieten ourselves and say, Lord, will you speak to me? Can I hear what you're thinking and what you're feeling about the situation at work? Can you tell me some insight into how I'm going to manage my boss or manage the people beneath me and the structure of this organization? Can I hear your heart as to what would extend your kingdom here? What would be the most just and good thing to outcome to happen? What a moment of intimacy to come to our Father and to curl up into his heart and to say, I'd love to hear what you are thinking. I'd love to be able to pray in line with the way that you are moving. Because as we pray and as we hear God's words, we will be changed. We will be changed in the things that we say and the ways that we do. We will be changed in the ways we react to situations. We will be changed in the ways we react to the people around us as we begin to see a little more of how God loves them and to be curious with compassionate curiosity about the ways that God is working in them. And so in this week ahead, I'd encourage you to remember that you get to pray. And I'd like ask you to take time to pray for the goodness of God's work in the lives of other people because God does choose to speak to you and in you and through you. And that is good and lovely and true. And so one of the reasons we've got some call and response songs today in style is to that reminder to think of prayer as a call and response. As we call, God responds. As we call, our community responds. As you pray this week, perhaps you can imagine the call and response and listen for the response of God. And take some time to notice those around you and remember the obligation and delight you carry to truly pray for our community and for those God brings to your attention in the cars parked alongside you in the traffic jam who may not have anyone else to pray for them today. And don't forget to include praying for your enemies. Pray with delight, with joy, and with hope. And as we usually do now, we just take a moment of silence and I'd encourage you to get your song sheet and a pen and maybe write down a few names of people, a few things that have come to mind, a few situations where you know God needs to act and ask him, ask him for guidance as to how you should pray this week. Lord, will you teach us, guide us, shape us in our prayers? Thank you for the ways that you are at work. May we be more involved in the work of extending your kingdom as we pray, your will be done, your kingdom come. Amen.